Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast to communicate the stories of people and practices from far-flung ranches and dairies throughout the state to better connect them with the customers they serve. We visited the Red Bluff Bull and Gelding Sale at the Tehama County Fairgrounds to learn about the stock dog trials and auction. In this auction, 17 dogs, all border collies, exhibited their cattle herding abilities and went on to auction, with one of the dogs fetching $45,000. Herding dogs are prized for their mobility, intelligence, loyalty, and toughness. Toughness was exemplified in the second trial I witnessed, where a black and white border collie named Emmett was rolled over by a stubborn cow and was reduced to a motionless lump for almost a minute. His handler approached him on horseback, and Emmett popped up and finished the trial. In this episode, Stock Dogs. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. It's my thinking that working dogs enjoy the most complete canine existence. They work from instinct while benefiting from all the benefits of domestication. A good cattle dog could do the work of a couple humans and does so instinctually, rewarded by regular meals and head scratches. Their abilities are critical to many ranching operations, which is why these dogs fetch thousands of dollars at auction. Herding dogs have existed for millennia. Specific herding breeds, more familiar today from Asia and Europe, have existed in some form since the 16th century, with a lot of their history and lineages being documented. As cattle and sheep ranching spread around the world, so did the herding dogs, all the while being refined through breeding to better tolerate new climates and contend with newfound predators. For instance... Australian cattle dogs were developed when cattle rancher Thomas Hall bred English drover's dogs, similar to English sheepdogs, with native Australian dingoes. Hall had thousands of cattle to drive through millions of unfenced Australian wilderness. He refused access to the newfound breed, as it was a sizable advantage over the other ranchers in the territory for getting cattle to sale. It wasn't until his death in 1870 that the breed became available known as Australian cattle dogs, which were also nicknamed healers due to their propensity to nip at the heels of cattle and sheep. There are countless stories touting the toughness, intelligence, and loyalty of these herding breeds. There's a story from Australia from 2009 about a cattle dog named Sophie that accidentally went overboard on a boat in the Coral Sea, swimming five miles to an uninhabited island and surviving there for four months by hunting feral goats. Sophie was captured and returned to her family where she promptly fell asleep on the couch as if nothing happened. There's also a story of Chaser, a border collie in the UK, that could understand over a thousand unique words and had the largest tested memory of any non-human. Words were associated with over a thousand unique toys, and when picked at random, can be retrieved by Chaser from memory. In one experiment, Chaser was given five toys that she had experience with, and then a sixth toy that she's never seen. She's asked to receive the sixth toy with a name that she's never associated with one, and is able to select it by using the process of elimination. And then there's Shep, a herding dog that appeared at the Great Northern Railway Station one day in 1936 in Fort Benton, Montana, and watched as his deceased master's casket was loaded onto a train. The dog remained at the station waiting for his master to return for the next five and a half years. 
until he was killed by an incoming train in 1942. A few days later, Shep's funeral was attended by nearly everyone from Fort Benton. There was a Boy Scout troop that served as pallbearers for Shep, helping carry his coffin to his grave. There's currently a statue of the forever faithful Shep on the banks of the Missouri River in Montana. Shep even has his own Wikipedia page. In this episode, we visit the Red Bluff Bowl gelding sale to meet some border collies available for auction and talk to Tom Duffy, an expert in the field, about stock dogs and then talk to trainer Jim Zoltman and meet his border collie sister who trialed and was later sold at auction. We set up our gear in the auction pavilion and with no tables available attached to the mics to the stalls and did our interviews with our feet in the sawdust. Wow, what a crowd here in Red Love and a glorious day indeed. Spring's yet to come and it's coming on in a, like I said, a glorious way for all you livestock producers and advocates of the industry. Thank you for being here this afternoon, uh, as always. So 81 years in the making here at Red Love uh, in terms of the bull sale. They've added all right. to it with yeah, dogs. that sounds good. They've added to it with well, so my first question is, you've been doing this for quite a while. Are you able to just introduce yourself and then your history with, with this sale and your history with working with, with dogs? Sure. My, uh, my history with the dogs has been about 50 years that I've been raising and training working dogs, Border Collies, Kelpies, McNabs, and a few Queenslands and a few Australian Shepherds. Uh, years ago, I used to do a lot of trialing and work, and I sold uh, dogs here several years ago and uh, haven't been really trialing or doing anything like that. However, I am still raising and training and doing dog, uh, dog clinics. And what's your name? Tom Duffy. And where, where do you hail from? Where's... I live in a small foothill town called Loma Rica, California. When I started doing the research, I saw a couple of breeds that would come up quite frequently when talking about herding dogs, for cattle specifically. When I looked at the pamphlet or the, the sales thing for this place, every single one's a border collie. Can you explain, like, why is that a preferred breed? Most of it's personal, and uh, the border collie offers so much. Their intelligence is incredible. Their stamina and their strength is incredible when you get the right ones for the right job. And uh, th there are a lot of dogs that have a, a lot of knack and a lot of instinct, McNabs, Kelpies, and they're used in a lot of different areas. These dogs travel well. They, uh, they ha are very athletic. And in fact, whenever we sell them, we really like them to go to working homes because that's what they are is working dogs. And are they as, as capable with cattle as they are with sheep? 100% true. And that's why they're as capable with ducks, they're as capable with cattle, they're as capable with sheep or goats, and really widely used, you bet. And then the other thing, I mean, you said you've been doing this for, for upwards like 50 years. Have you seen in your time the breed change at all? Because some of these herding dogs, it doesn't seem like they have, you know, they've been around for millennia in one way or another, but the specific breeds themselves seem to have a shorter history. That is an excellent question. And I am an advocate against AKC Border Collies and have been, and when it was trying to be done, I was trying to be one of them that would stop that from happening because these dogs are bred and born to work. When they go to the American Kennel Club, they turn into sizes, certain colors, certain hip widths, and different things. The Border Collies can be red, they can be black and white, they can be short hair, they can be tricolored, they can be long haired, and, the, and uh, then when they go into the AKC, they make them all uniform, and if you are really interested in seeing the difference, you can Google an AKC Border Collie and look at the way that it handles itself 
versus the way that you'll see one of these dogs, ranch dogs, handle themselves. And these are registered purebred dogs with papers. So it's not like they have to be AKC, but you can see the difference in the way they handle their body, their physical ability, and the way they move for sure. They're not interchangeable, right? I mean, you couldn't take one of those confirmation dogs and, and potentially... You can, but you will not receive the 200% from that dog, in my opinion, that you do from these. Is there a way to identify a dog that's going to be good for working? The, the breeding is important. You can always have a dog that isn't going to make the best out of any kind of breeding. But for the most part, if you pay attention to your breeding and you do the right kind of thing and you watch the parents and before you breed and then you'll know who is going to be putting or the best chance to put some good pups on the ground. And then the second part of that, I think, is, is you were wondering when you start them. When I start them is when I see their instinct kicking in. So I like to let them play with their instinct and bring them on so that they can begin to start and show you what they have. And then, yes, definitely you can see something in there that one might have a watch for a couple of seconds and then want to play with the other puppies and the other one might stand there and watch for a longer period of time. I was reading something about, and this comes back to, I think, years back in Australia or something, um, that, that they work quietly, opposed to being very vocal dogs, that they use their eyes more than their than barking and things like that. Their eye is their strength and their power. And, uh, and they can bark once in a while, like if you're in a brushy situation or in a, in a really tangled up situation, or sometimes if, uh, if you need to break up a fight between bulls, and you can get a dog on them like that, and sometimes they'll use a bark to help like that. But then there are other brush dogs, and you spoke of Australia, they call them huntaways, and that's how they get two or 3,000 head of sheep moving is because they send them out and they start barking. But then they use the Kelpies and, and that in close. You're, because you have an operation at home, is that mm -hmm. correct? Do you use Border Collies exclusively there? I use Border Collies, but uh, that's what I raise and train, yes. And uh, I, I do have uh, a couple of, I don't have any more Kelpies right now, but I did have, and I really like uh, Kelpies too. And then say, in, say that you weren't ranching any longer, would you still uh, consider having border collies? I know that they're, they're kept as pets in a lot of different places. Would you continue to have that sort of dog without having animals for them to work with? They're an incredible family dog, but they are athletes, natural born and bred. And I would not want to have one and keep it in a house or in a backyard and not take it out. So if I was active or I could still go use it someplace or trial, do something like that, then yes, I would have that dog. Are you familiar at all with a uh, fly ball? Yes. And looking at that and watching those dogs work, that's the kind of entertainment and work they need to do with their brains, right? It is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fly ball is definitely a, an activity, but it's, a, it's an agility activity. A lot of our, the listeners that we're, we're reaching out to have dogs and no dogs as pets and not as working dogs. And I think that devising a pack order is very important. And that could also be very important in a home situation with a pet dog. Do you have any like tips or like advice on how you would do that if you had a dog at home? If you run several dogs, then you might have one they call a lead dog and all the rest of the dogs are gonna work for that dog unless you be the pack leader. And if your lead dog gets hurt and you haven't become the pack leader, then the secondary dogs aren't gonna work as well and help you get done because these dogs will do the work of two cowboys and help you out.
And, uh, and if you're the lead dog and something happens to one of your strongest dogs out there, the others are still gonna work for you. So when I do it, I take one at a time and then I work them together, but they both listen to me individually. Can you give us your name and the reason you're here? My name is Jim Zolman. We train and, and uh, sell border collies for working cattle, sheep. And where are you from? Northeast Oregon, Lot Wallawa, Oregon. Okay, and who's this? This is sister, a three-year-old border collie. Real nice, strong head dog. You do the training with these dogs. Are they, in a way, like plug-and-play? Like when, when you bring them to a ranch, are they pretty much ready to go 100%, or is there more work that needs to be done? No, at first, you know, you, you take a dog with a lot of natural instincts and then you mold them and help them, you know, along the way. But they're really working off their natural instincts. And as far as the amount of years go, does it take, are some dogs quicker to be trained? What, what's the difference between two and three years? Uh, just more experience. You know, they, I mean, every dog has to prove itself. So some have more natural abilities than others, but there's not a substitute for experience. Do you breed the dogs yourself? You you yes. bring them in. Oh, you breed yep. them yourself. We do. I mean, yep. And this is a weird and I question. I handle some dog outside dogs. Okay. So Slick is an outside dog. I'm handling for a gentleman here today. Are there ever any like duds? Like they just come out? They just yeah, just just like anything. I mean, any yeah. sport or whatnot. There's there's some that aren't as talented as others, and and uh, you know we place them in a pet home. You know they make great companions as well. Yeah, something. I, um, another thing I read is that, especially with this breed, some of the other herding breeds tend to not be the best family dogs in some ways. They're kind of saying like Australian cattle dogs tend to like really pair up with one person specifically, but that border collies tend to be better around an entire family. Is that true? Correct. Yeah, I call them healers, but they, they oh, yeah. can be a one-man dog or you know one-person dog where they really bond to them. Uh, I just believe that socializing dogs in general will make a huge difference in that category. Do you ever work with other breeds or is it typically? No, I, I've worked with Kelpies and Hanging Tree Dogs and, and Queensland Blue Healer. Well, good luck today. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'll be around to, to watch how everything goes down. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. If you have any interest in seeing athletic dogs gleefully expend energy, be sure to look into the sport of Skyball. You won't regret it. If you'd like to see photographs from the auction, go to www.calcattlecouncil.org. If there's something you'd like to hear from stories from California cattle country, you could contact me directly at ryan at calcattleman.org or leave comments on our social media posts. If you'd like to hear Sister's auction price, just listen to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Bid on the phone. Internet, you're gonna have to be 92 and a half. 
No five, any five, another bit of five, and the two and a half, no five, any five, another dollar, any five, another bit of what about a five, and seven and a half, and ninety seven fifty, and ninety five, another bit of ten thousand, no five, and ten five, and ten thousand, another bit of ten five, another bit of ten thousand, five dollars on ten thousand, two hundred and fifty, ten two fifty nine, sold out, ten thousand dollars on ten thousand. Oh, here we go. 